I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a dual Australian US citizen and the National Marketing Lead for Energy Resources and Industrials with Deloitte in Australia. I'm fortunate to be spending two exciting months based with Deloitte in the US while I put my kids into school and finalise their US citizenship. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts, thinkers and leaders. I am currently immersing myself in a different culture within a much larger team and I'm really excited about the insights and learnings. Throughout this time, I'm speaking to different leaders and sharing thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways. Today, I'm joined by my former Australian colleague and friend, Beck Dice. Beck was formerly with the, with the global, uh, sorry, with the Australian digital team based in Sydney and is now based based in Canada and manages Deloitte's global digital campaigns. Beck, welcome. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Really good to be speaking to you in the Northern Hemisphere and, and almost the same time zone. Beck, I'd love it if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your background, please. Of course. Uh, so you uh, introed already. I uh, came from the Deloitte City office. I worked there for just over two years um, and I'm now based in Toronto, Canada. So it's a bit of a climate change and a hemisphere change, but been here for six months and I'm loving it so far. And um, my professional focus is digital marketing, so looking at campaign strategy, implementation, reporting and insights, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, I have to say, um, you know, in the effort in the interest of full disclosure and being a good collaborator, I've worked with Beck on a number of campaigns when she was Australian-based. She's also been incredibly generous with her time in, in helping me on a few of my personal pursuits and, and certainly helping me be a little bit more impactful with, with this podcast series. So, Beck, I'm particularly pleased to be speaking to you today. Yeah, likewise. I mean, it's been fabulous to see what you've been doing as well while you're on your comment in Chicago and the podcast has so far been really interesting. I've listened to a few of them to get a sneak peek into what today's discussion might be like, but yeah, it's <laughs> great to be working with you and chatting with you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, we might we might get stuck into the questions, Beck. Your professional focus is social media and as I mentioned, I've I've benefited from your deep expertise considerably. I'm interested to know more about why it's something that you're so passionate about. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Um, social media, to me, is kind of the backbone for digital campaigns. Um, I think social media really ties together the success of, you know, a brand campaign or um, even, you know, uh, government campaigns. I think social media provides a place where um, you can be really personal with your audience. Um, that I think brands and companies have a huge opportunity to, you know, be relatable and be able to have a conversation with who they would like to talk to and their, who their audience is. Um, I also love it because it's super immediate, so you can use social media in real time to update your audience on what's happening there and then, and I just think that's such a um, unique thing about social media. And I also love social just because it's so creative and there are just so many different types of um, content out there that um, reflect what somebody is trying to say. And I just think the uniqueness of that and the diversity that you see on social is incredible. It is. And I think, you know, different different channels, I mean, everywhere you look, you can see 
different takes and new and interesting ways that that people are really quickly evolving the way they use it. Absolutely. Do you, I'm, I'm interested, do you notice many differences between the way that digital and social work in Australia versus Canada? Yeah, that's interesting actually. I think from a B2B perspective, there are definite differences. I think Canada is still very professional in their social media outreach. Um, they're still, I guess, quite um, professional in their language. The imagery that they use is still quite, I guess, um, branded and designed for corporate audiences, whereas I think Australia has learned to have a bit more fun. I think okay. that uh, plays into our personalities a little more. So the, the language is a bit more casual. Uh, the imagery is usually of people. So I do think there are some differences there. So. The Canadians might um, might shift that in the future. Be interesting to see what happens there. Well, if if you're there having some influence on that front too, that that that'd be really interesting interesting um, topic for for a blog or to explore further. I mean, I remember earlier, sort of, I guess six or seven years ago when I first started um, live tweeting for the firm I was working with at the time, I was really nervous about in that immediacy being the voice of the organisation and the kind of tone that was appropriate. I mean, as I as I have evolved and done a whole lot more of it, I'm now much more comfortable, but I, I can remember feeling decidedly nervous on that front. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is definitely that level of, um, you know, what if something goes wrong? But at the end of the day, I think social media is an authentic channel. So, yeah. you know, consumers are okay if you do make mistakes. And there's been great examples of brands that have made mistakes and, you know, put apologies out there and people, you know, can relate to that. So I think it's also an opportunity as well. Yeah, and, and I guess in, in that sense, it's also the they have the ability to – to start engagement with with the market or you know the outside world much more quickly than they did in the days gone by of media releases and sort of much more formal ways of communicating. Yeah, exactly. So Beck, cultivating personal brand and eminence is something that both you and I are really passionate about. What impact do you talk to us about what impact social media can have on our personal brands? Yeah, so I guess it's a little similar to how a regular brand would communicate on social. You know, a regular brand wants to put itself out there. It wants to increase its awareness. Ideally, it will build relationships with their audience. And it's the same with a personal brand. Um, I think in particular for thought leaders and, um, you know, general, I guess, CXOs and senior leaders, uh, it's quite a given that they would do that. But I also think there's a huge opportunity for, you know, more junior level executives to really build their personal brand. And I think social media provides such a great opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can build yourself on social media in terms of, um, you know, blogging. You can do quick video updates and really just position yourself as somebody who is an expert in your field. Um, you know, we... Katie, you and I used to train people back in Sydney on how to use LinkedIn for their own personal yeah. brand and really portray a great picture of, you know, what they know and, um, you know, leveraging tangible examples of how they know that. Yes. Um, and I think it just uh, it enables them to become a go-to person, um, you know, 
I have friends who post regularly about, you know, the fields that they work in. And I know that if I need to ask someone about, I don't know, tax or accounting or, um, you know, purchasing a home, I go straight to them because they've already posted about that on their LinkedIn or their social networks regularly. Yeah. So it just, um, it's that visibility and really positioning yourself as somebody that knows what they're, talk- they're talking about, but also loves what they're talking about. And, and I guess can do it in a way that is authentic and, and relatable and, and can sort of have some of their personality shine through, whereas, you know, more formal blogs or newsletters that were perhaps slightly more traditional in, in focus did, didn't enable them to do so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of social is there's multiple channels that you can play with. So you've got Mm. LinkedIn, which is usually a little bit more businessy. There's Instagram, which is more visual and creative. Twitter for those more real-time updates. And Facebook tends to be a bit more personal. Um, You know, you've got so many options there to really hone in on your personal brand and the authentic updates that you post on each channel. So Um, yeah, lots of opportunity and room for um, playing around with, you know, how you portray yourself. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, sort of as as you're talking about that is reminding me of um, one of the senior partners in Australia who leads one of the sectors that that I have responsibility for. And, you know, when she joined Deloitte, she had a really strong LinkedIn profile and and a phenomenal network around the world. And um, one of our other colleagues and I got her convinced her that Twitter was worth uh, dipping her toe into, uh, you know, has now has a massive followership and is using it, I can see, every day, um, but mm. is, is also up for experimenting with, with other different forms. She was speaking at a, at a large conference in Perth in March earlier this year and decided to give uh, a shot of posting some some live video on on LinkedIn and my colleague Celine who was over there at the time um, did a two or three minute grab with with this partner Bernadette talking talking to camera about some of the day's um, proceedings and some of the key messages that she'd taken away from the conference now obviously she took some notes through the day and was was paying really close attention to what was going on but in the space of about 10 minutes they they did they did one take and they, they reviewed it and were happy with it uh, Celine who was recording it had gotten some good tips from one of our videographers and you know within half an hour or so they had posted it on LinkedIn and the many thousands of views and considerable numbers of likes and comments happened with you know about a half an hour's worth of work and and I just think I just think that's phenomenal and you know that she was gutsy and and happy to kind of give it a go uh was so impactful yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of personal branding on social media is you don't have to think too much about it. It's pretty quick. Mm. Um, you give it a go. Um, people love it. They, you know, they're excited to see something really personal and quite raw um, from you as a as an expert in your field. So, um, you know, anyone that is out there that is thinking about branding themselves on social media, just give it a shot. Um, see what works. Play around. Experiment. Um, you know, people just want to hear from you. 
Yeah, well, case in point, this podcast series, Beck. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you, some of your coaching was was that um, it was worth worth giving it a shot, and and that the the raw slight the slightly raw element was was forgivable and was was an okay way to go. Yeah, absolutely. You don't so. have to be a professional. <laughs> no, well, I am not, but I have you know I have I have a great team of people and colleagues around me who have some ex- excellent expertise yourself included who have who have helped me put it together and I've I've learned a massive amount through the through the month or six weeks of doing this yeah it's amazing so fast fast moving it's it's exciting so mm. Beck, as I've somewhat alluded to you've been my social oracle for the past few years <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to understand a bit more from you about your thoughts about how social's evolving yeah, um, so I think social evolves so fast, um, but we've seen some really interesting trends lately. In particular, um, I've noticed a lot is going on on social media in terms of transparency. So there's been um, multiple, you know, articles in the news and conversations happening around um, the fake news trend. Yeah, um, it's not a new concept, but I think social media networks in particular are really taking notice of the issue that we are having around fake news. Um, And also recently, you know, there were breaches of um, data with the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, All kinds of things are going on in terms of, you know, what is actually on our social media channels and um, what are social media networks doing about it. And I think there's been some really interesting changes, particularly on Facebook, around transparency. So, for example, Facebook has introduced um, functionality recently where you can actually go to a company page and look at what they are paying to advertise. So you can see, you know, is um, a news network actually putting spend behind an article that they have posted. Um, and I think that's just really important for a consumer to be able to understand is, you know, am I seeing content because people are paying for it? Yeah. Um, if so, why is that? Um, I also think the other interesting thing that has changed is um, the algorithms on news feeds for social channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing Facebook in particular, they are pushing content that is coming from people and less so from brands. And I think this is in response to, you know, this fake news thing as well where um, brands are just pushing out consistent content or potential news articles that people aren't really responding to or wanting to see. And so Facebook has been adjusting their newsfeed algorithm just to to change what you see every day when you, you know, log into your Facebook account. Um, So I think that's all really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Something... Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just, I was keen to ask another question about that. I mean, there's been so much in the news around, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg talking uh, talk, or um, being deposed. Well, I'm not, I can't remember the correct terminology. Um, the Senate, the Senate inquiry in in DC, uh, you know, fronting up and being asked a whole lot of questions. With with the changes that you're just talking about, are they taking a Facebook taking a fair hit to revenue in terms of these changes around transparency? 
Well, it's interesting. Um, I think that brands will be a little bit more cautious around what they do advertise because if a consumer can see that you are advertising a product or an article or a piece of thought leadership to them, um, they might might get a little frustrated by that. Yeah. So I do think that brands will be more hesitant to spend advertising dollars on those social channels. Um, however, at the same time, the algorithm changes, which are organic, um, mean that brand content isn't as visible on Facebook anymore. And I think that's really going to affect um, some of the success that companies have traditionally seen through Facebook and driving traffic and leads and sales because they would have had a lot of that traffic come from organic posts. But because the algorithm has shifted and organic isn't as successful anymore for brands, they're, they're going to be impacted by that. So that kind of flips around this whole advertising spend because if they do spend money, then they're going to be seen by consumers. So I think there's quite a big um, you know, decision that brands do have to make around the advertising money that they do spend. Um, you know, How much is too much? Mm-hmm. How much do we want to invest so that we are still seen? And, um, you know, find that balance between advertising, but also not frustrating a consumer. Sure. And Beck, for for people listening who perhaps aren't so familiar with, with the changes to Facebook's transparency, how easy will it be for the average consumer to, to jump online and get an understanding about company spend? So it's pretty easy right now to actually go and see what uh, company pages are doing. You can just jump onto their page and click an option to save you ads. Um, you won't get visibility into their spend. It's really just around which content they are promoting and, and to who. So it's pretty simple. Um, go check it out. I find it really interesting, actually, okay. um, as a digital marketing nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go home, oh, jump, jump onto Facebook after we finish this conversation. And, and check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, that, definitely. Now that leads me to an to another question. How do you stay abreast of all of the changes? I mean, stuff in digital is and social is just moving so rapidly. Is it is it conversations and and reading prolifically, or are there other ways that you you keep keep in touch with what's happening? You know what's really funny? I keep abreast of social media changes by reading social media posts. Oh, I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> it's funny though because um, I think every social media channel is pretty keen to communicate changes to their channels regularly. So, you know, LinkedIn, for example, has a blog where they update. Um, update, I think, daily um, on changes that they're making or, you know, new insights and trends that they can share. Um, Facebook does a similar thing. Um, Twitter is probably more, I I read more blogs around Twitter and, um, you know, what's changing there. Um, And then Instagram um, are really, really good with their releases. So when there is a new feature, they will notify you in the platform. So, yeah, really, I I find mostly it's... um, you know, reading social media articles and updates. And, um, you know, there's a couple of blogs that I read regularly as well to stay up to date and get some best practice and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, social media is the place to find it. <laughs> well, of course it is. Hey, and tell me, do you are you a fan of um, more characters in Twitter or are you a bit more of a traditionalist, the one 
the 140? Traditional all the way. The shorter, ah, the sweeter. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I was thinking, you know, someone who's fast fast paced in the world of, of social might be might be all about what's evolving. But I, I agree with you. I prefer short and sweet. Yeah, I mean, Twitter for me is the place where you go and you want to read something really quickly and move on. You don't want to read a longer tweet because that's not the intention of that platform. Yeah, yep. Do you think they'll change it moving forward or you're not prepared uh, to make a bet on that? Who knows? Twitter makes all kinds of crazy decisions, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space. So, Beck, we talked a bit at the start about the fact that after a few years working with Deloitte in Australia, you moved to Canada to join the global team. I'm really interested to hear a bit about some of the differences that you've noticed around culture and focus between the two. I mean, in my three months in the States, I've certainly noticed a whole lot. But talk to me about what you've what you've observed. Yeah, um, there's probably two main things that I've I've noticed. Um, one is particularly around actually working in the global team. So even though I am based in Canada, my team is the global team. So I work every day with uh, colleagues all around the world, which is actually probably my favourite part of the job. Okay. So, you know, I wake up and I have emails in my inbox from um, the Asia-Pacific regions and I talk to the European regions throughout the day and um, obviously North America and South America and um, Africa comes into my inbox as well. And I just, I love hearing from my colleagues around the world. Um, so I think that is definitely one of the big differences um, working for the global team compared to the Australian team. Because mm -hmm. um, in Australia, I was predominantly working with my Aussie colleagues. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely a big difference. And then I think uh, one of the other major differences that I've noticed and I've really had to adapt to is just around um, the remote and virtual style of working that I have in my global team. So okay. we're all based in different cities. Um, you know, some, some of us are in different countries. Um, and a lot of the work that we do is uh, online. So we have Skype calls and um, we're emailing and that's, you know, digital is our main form of communication. Sure. Um, whereas Sydney, you know, we sat in the same office on the same floor. Um, so I think the, the communication um, has been quite different. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to, you know, learn to collaborate differently. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said around successfully cl collaborating on Skype compared to collaborating in an, you know, in a room in yes. an office on a yep. whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, in, and little plug the the blog that you published last week around some of your key observations on the first six months of working in Canada talk, talked a bit more about some of those which which I also think it was a really interesting read so for people to um, interested to delve a little bit more in that definitely worth having a look at Beck's profile and and reading that as well yeah thanks please do <laughs> <laughs> what, one of the other things I've really enjoyed about being in the states is that I that there are a lot more people awake when I am in the in the Deloitte world. So being able to to more easily with with less planning have conversations with people who are in the UK and Europe and and of course um, across the Americas is I've I've really enjoyed that component. I find it's you know it's quite different. I mean I I have a number of strong relationships with people in the Deloitte world um, in in Europe and in the 
states, but those conversations take a little bit more planning to find times that are mutually convenient. So I'm really loving the fact that there are a lot of other people who who are awake when I am and, and more easily contactable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things I've learned around, you know, being accommodating of other people's schedules and, um, you know, being awake or asleep at different times is you actually become a little bit, I, I think, more tolerant and thoughtful around other people's situations because, to me, you know, I when I first started my corporate career, I never really thought about, you know, my colleagues having to do school drop-off or pick-up or, you know, um, I guess extracurricular activities outside of work. So I think that's been a really great thing to learn as well as, mm-hmm. you know, everyone just lives, uh, lives such different lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so many interesting conversations to be had hearing about those those mm. different approaches and different challenges that people have. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Beck, how would you say that your life life and career are improving as a result of being better connected with people across the globe? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I have loved professionally is actually uh, speaking to my digital marketing colleagues across the globe and understanding what they do in their own markets um, differently to what I would have done in Mm -hmm. Australia or even in the global team because it is quite different. And I think it's really interesting to acknowledge that, you know, just because one tactic works in one country doesn't mean it's going to work in every country. Um, so I think that's been a huge thing for me professionally okay. um, is just learning that, you know, you really need to make sure you research your audience and research, um, you know, the the digital marketing channels that resonate with them best. Um, you know, there's all these social media channels that exist in um, all different countries around the world that I don't have familiarity with, but my colleagues do. So I think that knowledge share has been really, really exciting. Okay. That's that's interesting. Do, is there, I mean, if we look at Australia and Canada, which I guess are the two probably that you have closest uh, familiarity and expertise with, is there a difference in terms of channel preferences in, in Canada compared to Australia? I wouldn't say there's a huge difference. I think the main thing is that uh, I've noticed in North America, people use Twitter a heck of a lot more than they do in Australia. Um, I do think Australians are more focused on Instagram and kind of more visual content, whereas um, North Americans and Canadians love to tweet. Um, they will tweet about anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely definitely a difference that I've noticed. Absolutely. I was I – was, um tweeting with our global renewable energy lead last night while watching the the uh, the world series baseball i know she's a red Sox fan and she tweeted a photo of her dad who was at the game uh and i i really <laughs> enjoy that that you know that that opens up a whole lot of other avenues of of discussion and and learning more mm. about different people's lives than than perhaps absolutely. you you might read on linkedin yeah absolutely it definitely um I think people are less afraid to put more about their own lives on Twitter, yes. um, particularly in Canada. And, you know, okay. that sports example is prime example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, I, that's interesting. And I like, I mean, I like learning more about my, my colleagues. It's, you know, I think it enables you to have a, a richer conversation and, 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 you know, more, more topics of, of for discussion. 
Absolutely. It's definitely, um, it opens up more diversity, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Beck, what's the one thing you don't understand about Canadians? <laughs> oh, there's several things. But um, <laughs> I, look, I haven't had a winter here yet, but I suspect in a few months' time, my answer will probably be, why on earth do you live in Canada? It is yeah. so cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right now, uh, probably Tim Hortons. So Tim Hortons is the major coffee chain here. Okay. And it is just, it's so popular. I mean, they have donuts and they have coffee, but they're just, it's terrible coffee, Katie. And, you know, we come from Australia oh, and we know oh, how good coffee needs yes, to be. Yes, we do, my dear. It's, yeah, oh, it's just, I, I do not understand Tim Hortons at all. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> one of the things, one of the differences I've noticed in the States since the last time I came is the, well, and this is predominantly focused around New York and Chicago, but the increasing, uh, well, proliferation of Australian-style coffee, which wasn't a term I had heard. Australian-style yogurt is another one. But is there mm. is there much or anything happening in in Canada on that front? Yeah, I think uh, Canadians have been a little late to the scene with the Australian-style coffee, but <laughs> I'm definitely seeing a trend um, with, you know, more local roasting and preparing of the beans and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And what is really funny, actually, is that um, more cafes are starting to offer flat white. Oh. And flat whites come from Australia. They do. And a flat white is the most expensive coffee drink you can order. Um, so I think that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> I like it. We, uh, I, I met a girlfriend in, in New York with my kids for five days and we were both Essendon football fans and we went to Job Watson's Cafe. So for, well, Beck, you're a New South Welsh woman and for anybody I not am. in not in Victoria or not so au fait with with Aussie rules football um Joe Watson was the captain of the the Essendon Bombers who who is our favorite team and the the very attractive um son of the of a former captain Tim Watson whose number I always sported in hockey when I was at school and university <laughs> which is a significant um digression but he he has this fabulous little uh, little store um, that's not much bigger than a hole in the wall, but, geez, they made good coffee. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You're off to New York tomorrow. Check it, check it out. I will. Thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to help. If you if you look at my if you look at my Insta feed, you'll you'll see you'll see it. But I can also send you some details. <laughs> oh, I, I can get it from Instagram. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> Beck, what might people awesome. not know about you? Um, I think people are surprised to learn that I speak German. Um, I actually learned German at school from grade 7 to grade 12 and I did a two-month exchange there. So I actually lived with a family that I'd never met before and I went to school in Germany and um, I, I guess I have a really strong connection to the country now. Um, I don't have family that are German. Okay. Um, I just, I love it. I've just always had a great experience there and um, been back four times since. Wow. Where in Germany were you? 
Uh, so I was living in a little town called Erlangen, which is about two hours north of Munich. Okay. Um, so in in Bavaria, which is definitely yes. the best state in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> They've got all the you know the good beer and the lederhosen and the delicious food. <laughs> oh, how fantastic! So, do you, how's your German these days? Well, to be honest, Katie, it's a bit rusty. Um, I don't use it as much as I would like. Yes. Um, you've really got to be regularly dedicated to speaking German and yeah. um, reading German to, to stay up to scratch. But um, I, at one point, I was dreaming in German, which is fabulous. Um, but every time I go back, it takes me about a week, and then I'm you know, solid, fluent again. I think that is so cool. My my husband went to is Scottish and went to school high school in Germany, and the first time we went there together, we got off a flight from Chicago, and he just whipped into speaking fluent German. And I think <laughs> I think that was one of the times I've been the very most attracted to him. I just think people <laughs> speaking different languages is such a skill, and and one that frankly I'm really not very good at. Yeah, I mean, I was very, very lucky that I had an opportunity to learn it, and I, I do love languages. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, people that can speak multiple languages are just, you know, the most incredible people. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so with you there. Sadly, I'm not so much in that camp. I speak pidgin Swedish, but that's not incredibly useful in, in many realms. <laughs> well, claim it if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Beck, tell me, you learn more from success or failure? I think I learn more from failure. Um, I, I like to think that I don't fail too often, but when I do, it is a huge lesson for me. I, I really love problem solving as well. So when I do fail, um, I like to figure out what went wrong. Yep. Um, you know, kind of go retrace my steps, um, think about what I should have done differently, um, and then I think when I do fail and I have an opportunity to try again, um, you know, I, I will approach that failure differently and hopefully get it right next time. Um, so, yeah, definitely I, I feel like I get more lessons out of failure. Yeah, okay. I think, I think that's... I think that's an interesting response and, and almost everybody I've spoken to on a number of podcasts has, have said the same thing. Mm, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Beck, what does Nirvana in your career look like? Oh, I love that word. It reminds me <laughs> of the band. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nirvana in my career, I mean, I love what I do already. Um, you know, obviously I would love to – um, I guess, have a team of digital marketeers someday and, um, you know, really just always be innovating and learning and, um, you know, keeping up with the latest digital trends. But I think, you know, what I'm really passionate about is is trying to make an impact with digital marketing. And one of the things that I've loved doing in the past is training or helping or guiding people to become more digital savvy, um, which, you know, I've done a little bit with you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, there's such an opportunity for um, women in particular to, you know, be upskilled with their digital marketing skills and learn digital channels and platforms and really help them, uh, you know, boost their entrepreneurship, their business acumen, um, you know, really get themselves um I guess, more learned in that professional space. And I think, 
you know, ultimately long term, I would love to be, you know, a digital mentor and really helping people become more savvy in the digital space. I think I, I love everything that you just said. I, and it reminds me of a conversation I had with Amanda Goim, who was the former head of digital and social at ANZ Bank in Australia. And mm. she she had some very, very similar thoughts to, to the ones that you just shared. And adding to that, she said that one of the other reasons that she thinks that uh, women can be particularly successful on social media is that... Um, unlike in a conversation where you can perhaps inflate facts or, you know, perhaps get get into some fake news about yourself or some of the stuff that you've been doing, um, she said that that perhaps is uh, more more along the lines of what some males can tend to do sometimes. Um, the bullshit factor, as she phrases it, <laughs> is, is much more dangerous because if you, you know, if you're if you're sharing said tall tales on social media, there is there is a an indelible record of it, and you can be mm. caught out much more easily. So I, I thought that was another interesting element of that too. Yeah, I love that, the bullshit factor. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm quoting somebody who um, who I'd like to be when I grow up, so I, I figure it's it's perfectely acceptable. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good term. Beck, if you could invite three guests to dinner as our final question, living or not, who would they be? Oh, such a tough question, Katie. I had to have a big think about this one. Um <laughs> I, so two living, one dead. Okay. Um, I think the two living would be Emma Watson, um, Jacinta Arden, and then dead would be Freddie Mercury. I like it. Bit of a diverse bunch there. Tell us a little bit, a little bit, give us a little bit of insight as to your, your diverse bunch. Yeah, I mean, okay, so huge Harry Potter fan right here. So Emma Watson <laughs> is a natural choice yep, because yep. she played Hermione Granger. Yep. Um, but I, I have just loved kind of growing up with her. She was, she's only a year or two older than I am. And, you know, just seeing her develop into a really, really strong female icon. And, you know, she, she's, um, obviously a representative for he, for she. Um, which is a really powerful movement for, you know, yeah. equal rights for women. Absolutely. Um, I think what she does in the sustainability space as well is amazing. She always wears fashion that is sustainably made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think she she's not afraid to be who she is, and I think that's really inspiring. Yeah. Um, Jacinta Ardern, I have a major girl crush on. Oh, she is the I'm Prime right Minister of New you. Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she's just awesome. I think the fact that she is breaking all of the rules um, as a prime minister is in, incredible. Yep. So, yes. you know, she's a, a new mum. She isn't married. Shocker. She's taking her baby to work with her in, you know, in parliament. I just think, you know, what an awesome woman. Um, totally I, inspiring. For I, I agree with you. She's, she's awesome. I, I saw, um, I think it was on Twitter recently that, that she was at the UN and baby Neve, you can tell I'm following, mm-hmm. uh, baby Neve <laughs> was given a, a little teeny tiny lanyard that said first baby, which I just thought was pretty fabulous oh, as well. And, you know, her, yeah. her partner, Neve's daddy was there looking looking after her and and supporting the the awesome prime minister as she did her thing. 
Incredible. Yeah. The um, ultimate modern family. <laughs> I know. Totally with you there on the girl crush. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, Freddie Mercury. So I love Queen. I think their music is incredible. And I just think that Freddie Mercury would be such an interesting person to talk to. You know, he, he had some struggles. He had some successes. And I just think, you know, to be so creative in throughout those struggles is, is a huge win. So I'd really love to to have a chat with him. I think that would be one cracking dinner, Beck. <laughs> Mm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you. I'd like to, I'd definitely (laughs) like to attend. Hey, Beck, thank you so much for your time today. I have really enjoyed speaking to you. Uh, Every time we talk, I take away some, some different tidbits and inspiration as what I need, as to what I need to scurry away and um, study up on and, and learn and, and improve and grow. And I'm, I am quite certain that our listeners are going to come away um, with, a, with a similar feeling after our discussion. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Katie. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Beck. It has. Thanks. Thank you.